Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. All right, I am so excited to get this episode out to you. It's one of my favorite topics. Now, it is a little longer than my normal podcast episodes, but it will be worth it. I've got a lot of information packed in here, so I've also put it all into a blog article so that if you're listening, maybe while you're driving into work or going for a walk, don't worry about taking notes. Everything I talk about, plus all of the resources that I refer to, they're all going to be available to you at paralegalhabits.com. That's all one word, paralegalhabits.com. All right, let's go. Seven habits of the indispensable paralegal. Well, wait, what exactly is an indispensable paralegal? An indispensable paralegal is an essential member of the legal team. Now, that doesn't mean that you're the only person on the team who knows where something is or how something is done. That doesn't make you indispensable. That just makes you tired and stressed out from working long hours. Some of the terms that I hear attorneys use when they describe their indispensable paralegals are words like rock star paralegal, superstar, my right hand person, an all star paralegal, our MVP. I want to clarify that what I'm going to be discussing are habits, not skills or traits. I've done other podcast episodes that discuss top paralegal skills and three traits of successful paralegals. That's not what I'm talking about for this one. What I want to talk about today are habits. But before I give you those seven habits, let's start with why do you want to be an indispensable paralegal? Well, we want to be an essential part of the legal team. We want to be an indispensable paralegal because of what flows from being treated as a professional. Maybe you make more money, you enjoy going to work, you get to do work that's challenging and rewarding, maybe you have more job security. So I've divided these seven habits into categories depending on whether they should be daily habits or things that you can do on a weekly, monthly, or yearly basis. I want to make it easy for you to get these habits built into your professional life. Let's start with the daily habits of the indispensable paralegal. These are things that you should be doing consistently every single day in your paralegal career. I've even put together a little habit tracker for you that you can download, and it'll make it an easy reminder for you on all of these habits, really. You can download that tracker on the URL I gave you earlier, paralegalhabits.com. All right, habit one, be proactive. I know you've heard me talk about this before, but there's a reason why. (laughs) It's because it is so important. So how do you define being proactive as a paralegal? Well, you could take some courses on mind reading so that you know what the attorney is thinking. That would be a great superpower to have, wouldn't it? You'll recall, I've told you this story before, but for those who are just joining the podcast, I worked for an attorney back in the 90s who thought I could read his mind. 
actually wrote that on my annual performance review one year. He wrote, Anne knows what I need before I even know that I need it. She must be a mind reader. How did I become that attorney's mind reader? I read every single thing that came in on his litigation cases. Correspondence, pleadings, motions, notices. By doing that, I knew that there was a deposition next month that I could start preparing for this month. I knew there was a hearing in a few weeks that I could start preparing for this week. Let's look at a good definition of proactive because there's a ton of them out there, but the one that I think relates most to paralegals is the one that says you have three key behaviors and you have to have all three. Anticipatory behavior, meaning you act in advance of a future situation rather than just reacting to it. Change-oriented behavior, taking control and causing something to change rather than adapting to a situation or waiting for something to happen and self-initiated behavior. You don't need to be asked to act and you don't require detailed instructions. Doesn't mean you don't require any instructions, just you don't require step-by-step instructions. You can't do all three of those things unless you put your eyes on everything that comes in on your client files. But then what do you do with all that information? Keep it all in your head? Hope that you don't lose it? I give a really good example of what a litigation paralegal can do with that information in my three steps to better case management. I've talked about it before. It's at paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash three steps. And three is the number three. Even if you're a real estate paralegal, you could think of three steps that you could do, right? What do you do when something comes in? Where do you put all of that information into one place? that's written, not in your head, that you can then use throughout the life of that client file. Okay, habit two, still on daily habits. Take ownership of your work. This is a big one from attorneys who tell me, I like working with a paralegal who owns the project from start to finish. They don't come to me with every hiccup that happens on a problem or a project. They own it, they own the project and they solve the hiccups. They solve the problems and they get the project done. I had an interesting interview with someone on the podcast. It's going to be an episode that comes out probably not for a few more weeks. And it was with Sarah Riley Moore, a former paralegal turned attorney. And she gives a really good example of that, that, you know, problem solving and owning your project is really important to her. And something she learned as a paralegal right, that she takes into being a lawyer. So taking ownership isn't just working on a project. It's not just receiving a task and completing that exactly as assigned. It means making it your mission to see the project through. You show that you're willing to do what it takes to get the job done. It also means that when you delegate a portion of the project, whether it's outsourced to a vendor or delegated to a team member, You still own the project and you own the result of the project. So something goes wrong with that portion of the project that you've delegated out. You don't blame the mistake on someone else. You take ownership. So taking ownership is accepting responsibility for every aspect of the project, even if it means working outside your job description or putting in extra effort. In other words, an indispensable paralegal never says, that's not my job. One skill that I think that helps with this habit of taking ownership is the problem-solving skill. 
I went more in depth into that subject in an earlier episode. I'll put a link to it on that page, the paralegalhabits.com page. All right, up next, we're still on daily habits. Manage your priorities, not your time. Wait, what? Time management is so important for a paralegal. You know, I think we've all come to realize there's really no such thing as time management. Think about that. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's not like managing your money and being able to increase what's in your savings account. It's not like we can look at today's 24 hours and say, I'm going to be super efficient and manage my time so that four of today's 24 hours can be put in some time bank that I can use later this week. It just doesn't work like that. And, you know, unlike other professions, a paralegal's deadlines are not flexible. You can't go to the judge and ask for an extra day to get that motion filed just because you've got too many things on your plate. You can't reschedule that big merger that's scheduled for tomorrow just because you don't have one of the closing documents ready. Here's something, kind of a phrase or something you can use that'll help you switch mindsets when you're thinking about, oh, I've got to manage my time and kind of flip it to, no, I've just got to manage my priorities, is remember that when we say there's no such thing as time management, it's really because it's attention management. It's what you're focusing your attention on during those work hours that matter the most. I'm not just talking about billable hours here. You know, there's lots of paralegals who listen to this podcast that don't work in law firms. It's because your time is valuable. That's why this is important. Regardless of where you work, whether you bill your time or what practice area you work in. Let's say this. I give this example in the Billable Hour Boot Camp. Let's say that you have 1,600 hours worth of work to do in a year, which would be the typical amount of work of most office people. If you work in a law firm, that might be 1,600 billable hours. But if you work in a corporate legal department, that could mean just the work that you have to complete in a year. It doesn't have to be billable. So you have 1,600 hours of work. When you're in the office working on those client files 90% of the time, meaning 10% of your workday time, you're doing other stuff like grabbing some coffee, chatting with coworkers about your weekend, checking social media. We never do that, right? No. All right, so 10% of your time, which that's a good amount. That's low. I mean, it's a good amount if that's all you've got is 10%. That, that means you're productive 90% of the time that you're in the office. You're going to complete your 1,600 hours of work in 1,780 hours. Now, compare that to someone who's working at 75% productivity, meaning 25% of the time that you're in the office, you're not doing work on a client file. You're doing all those other things I talked about. It's going to take you 2,135 hours to get that same 1,600 hours worth of work done. Do you hear those numbers? 1,600 hours takes one person 1,780 hours. 1,600 hours of work takes the other person 2,135 hours. That's a difference of 355 hours in a year. That's a lot of hours. Imagine if you're the paralegal working at 90% productivity, you're getting out of the office in 355 fewer hours 
than the paralegal across the hall at 75%. That productive paralegal, you, the 90% one, you have a much better work-life balance. You're not working weekends and holidays to make up for the work that you didn't get done during the workday. Just imagine that. What could you do with 355 hours in a year? I can tell you what I'd do. I'd be at the beach. (laughs) Maybe not sitting on the beach, but walking the beach. Or maybe gardening, something like that. But you're not in the office. All right, so those first three habits were the daily habits. Now let's talk about weekly habits of the indispensable paralegals. Our first one, which is habit four, do a tech bite. And I'm going to spell bite, B-Y-T-E here. What is a tech bite? I kind of made that up. I mean, maybe someone else has used it before, but I just thought it sounded better than technology, you know, learning your technology. It's essentially a technology checkup. Remember, you're doing this on a weekly basis. This technology checkup is when you're looking at the technology that you use on a regular basis or that you should be using and finding one small task or thing that you do inside that technology that you could get better at or more proficient at. It also involves keeping track of any emerging trends in technology that are specific to your practice area, like AI. Let's break those down a little bit. For the technology that you are or should be using on a regular basis, let's start with Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Adobe, your case management software, or your firm's document management system. In fact, even Microsoft Outlook I'd put in this category because there are so many capabilities inside just our basic software technologies. Do you know enough to just get by? Or are you an advanced user of the basic technology applications? In addition to those applications, during your weekly tech bite, consider the technology specific to your practice area that you're using now or what's coming your way soon. AI. (laughs) Be the person on your team who has the most knowledge about the technology that your team uses or could be using in the future. You want to be that go-to person when it comes to technology on your legal team. But don't stop there. Once you master the technology that your team is currently using, be on the lookout for trends. AI. (laughs) I'm just going to keep bringing it up. I'm going to do a whole episode on some of the AI that I use in my own business and kind of relate it to what I would be using it as a paralegal. Um, Obviously we'd have a whole other episode on the ethics involved in that. There's going to be so many ethics CLEs this next year, I imagine. But I want to give you a quote from Stuart Brand that's so relevant to this topic of technology. He said, once a new technology rolls over you, if you're not part of the steamroller, you're part of the road. Yeah, kind of like Roadrunner, the cartoon. I'm kind of aging myself. Maybe millennials are listening going, what? What's Roadrunner? Just go look up Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny. All right. So if you're not part of the technology, in other words, the steamroller is going to roll over you. Okay. Habit five. This is, this is a weekly habit still. So weekly habit, do a pet tech bite. Next weekly habit, develop your SCPs. All right, I had to throw an acronym in here. (laughs) I haven't had an acronym in the 
podcast for a while, but SCPs. What are SCPs? Systems, checklists, procedures, and process. Every successful paralegal I've ever met has checklists and systems. That's no random coincidence. Think about it. A personal injury paralegal has a case checklist, a medical records tracking sheet, and so much more. A real estate paralegal has a closing checklist for every different type of closing that they work on. A litigation paralegal has a trial checklist, an e-discovery production checklist, and dozens more. Whether you call yours a checklist, an SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, it's a system that you test or a project management type of tool that you use to outline decisions that need to be made that are going to reduce mistakes and ensure that things don't slip through the cracks. Now, this is a weekly habit because I want you to designate like 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes every week to look back at your week and ask yourself, what's one task or major project that I did this week that I could put into a checklist or some other type of written system? Or if you're already that rock star paralegal who's been at this for a while, then you probably already have lots of checklists and SOPs. Use that weekly time to actually review and update those checklists. How long ago were they drafted? Are you sure things haven't changed since then? Maybe new technology that you're working with that could be added to that SOP or checklist. Here's why this is important. When you're rushed, you're more focused on getting the project done rather than getting the project right. If you're rushed, you have a last minute thing that needs to go out the door. If you have a checklist to go through before that project goes out the door, you're going to be able to focus on the important parts and make sure that nothing slips through the cracks during times of stress. Also, I think if you have a checklist or a written system for doing things, it's going to be easier for you to delegate some of that project to someone else, especially if it's a last minute kind of delegation thing, like you got to bring in another paralegal last minute to help on this big rush. If you're brand new to the paralegal profession, you know, that might seem like a lifetime away when you're going to be at the point of delegating some of your work to someone else. But I promise you that time will come. And like I said, part of delegating could just be you need to bring in extra hands to get that project done. To be able to hand somebody a checklist and say, here's my XYZ checklist for you to go through before that goes to the attorney or before that goes out the door. It's a lot easier than going through step by step by step verbally every single time. What if you have a big document review project and you need some help from another paralegal? It's going to be a lot easier to pull in extra hands on a project, especially those last minute ones, if you have something written down that someone else can easily follow. What kind of SOP could you draft for the bigger, more complex projects that you're already involved in? All right, moving on to monthly, which brings us to habit six. Invest in your career. All right, longtime listeners, you knew that was coming, right? You know me, I always try to fit that into every episode, invest in your career. You know why? Because every single successful paralegal that I've met over the last 30 years 
has this habit. And the ones I specifically have asked over the last 10 to 12 years said that developing this one habit changed their career trajectory. You've heard this quote before, Earl Nightingale, but especially if you're a first-time listener, please take this to heart. He said that the biggest mistake that you can make is to believe that you are working for somebody else. The driving force of a career must come from the individual. Remember that jobs are owned by the company or the law firm. You own your career. So first, have the mindset that the driving force of your paralegal career is going to come from you. In other words, you have a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. Too often, I hear paralegals say, well, my firm doesn't pay for continuing education, so I can't take that course. With that mindset, you're relying on your employer to determine how far you can take your career. This is your paralegal career. You own it. And I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it, career security over job security. Job security is pretty self-explanatory, right? We know that it means feeling more secure so you won't lose your current job. And now job security is important. I'm not in any way saying that you shouldn't care about losing your job. But how often do you ever focus on your career security? Career security is when you're consistently doing things that move your career forward and that are going to provide security for you. Security for you, regardless of what happens with your current job. You're adding value to your career so that if you got fired tomorrow or laid off next month, it would barely be a blip on your radar screen because you have valuable skills and certifications that all employers are looking for. You have that awesome resume that you continually update every year and the connections that you've made throughout the legal industry. All right, well, what increases your career security? Get valuable paralegal skills and certifications and the ones that are going to add value to your career, not just the current job you're doing. Now, that's not me saying you should be out there thinking about finding a new job. Don't take that the wrong way and go you know, have your employer listen to this podcast episode and say, look, Ann Pearson says I should go find a new job. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it would be even better if what you found also helped you do your current job better, but that it shouldn't just be a focus on what you need to do your current jobs. Now, one thing also to keep in mind, certifications do not necessarily go hand in hand with valuable skills. Let me start out by saying that. I think to myself, if I was still a paralegal working in a law firm, what kind of career development would I be looking at right now to keep myself sharp and marketable, also known as career security? Now, keep in mind, I was a litigation paralegal. So specifically for me, I would probably, well, I would already be um, e-discovery certified, but I would also have an LPM certification, legal project manager. So why e-discovery? Well, because to me, I will tell you that I am of the opinion that e-discovery project management skills is an essential skill set for a litigation paralegal. Essential. It's not preferred. If you're a litigation paralegal, you must know e-discovery. So I would suggest 
that you do an online assessment on what it is you really like doing combined with your skill set and what career security means for you. For example, if you're an intellectual property paralegal and you love what you do, then maybe an advanced certification in intellectual property would be better for you than an LPM certification. But if you don't love what you do, you just do it because it gives you a good paycheck, then maybe you want to get a different certification. Now, none of these things that I'm talking about today should be where you just go do a Google search and plop down your credit card for a $1,500 certification course and hope that you pass the exam. All of these are serious commitments. That's why this is a monthly habit. I'm only asking you to invest a little time each month moving towards whatever level of career security that you need. Just make sure that whatever certification you're looking at investing in, because it is an investment, this isn't just a a $300 course that we're talking about when we're talking about one of these certifications. We're talking thousands of dollars of an investment. But whatever one you're looking at, make sure that it's going to give you more career security, not job security. I did a template a while back. It's a template for a career development plan that could help you. I'll, um, I'll put it at the paralegalhabits.com on the page there, right around this area of wherever habit six is going to be. Here's another example of career security over job security that I see a lot. Let's say you're a personal injury paralegal who's currently only working in the pre-litigation phase of your personal injury files. If the file doesn't settle and your firm files a complaint against the insurance company, then that file gets passed on to a litigation paralegal in your law firm. So you take all kinds of courses that focus on the pre-litigation phase of personal injury, which is great, maybe one like my personal injury boot camp. That's wonderful. But what about the litigation side of things? What if your firm decides they're going to change things up and have one paralegal handle a file from the claim all the way through trial? Or what if you apply for a personal injury paralegal position at another firm and their paralegals already handle everything from start to finish and you've never exposed yourself to the litigation side of personal injury? Your current or former, I should say, no, your future, your future job opportunities are going to be limited if you don't focus on career security. You know, don't pigeonhole yourself. Because when you pigeonhole yourself into one specific area, then you're limiting your future paralegal career opportunities. All right, we're headed into the home stretch. Now we're on to yearly habits, or I should say yearly habit, because this is the last one, habit seven. Give yourself an annual performance review. Most people focus on that dreaded performance review that the employer gives once a year. Instead of focusing on that, I say an indispensable paralegal gives themselves a performance review. Ask yourself questions like, what went well this year? Here's a hint. You should have an electronic file on your computer that's going to put copies of everything like emails from the client telling the attorney about the great job that you did or the email from the attorney thanking you for your hard work on a project. All right, what went well this year? 
What could I have done better this year? And you got to be honest here. No one's perfect. The only way to continuously get better is to acknowledge what your shortcomings are and then have a plan on how to improve them. Also ask, did I achieve the goals that I set for myself last year? If not, why? What can I do to get back on track? What goals am I setting for myself this year? How do I plan to accomplish those goals? Don't just write out a list of 10 or 20 goals. Write a plan on how you're going to accomplish them. What short steps do you have to take along the way to achieve those goals? And as you're doing this annual performance review, part of it should include updating your resume. Because if you update your resume every year, you're going to remember some of those big key takeaways that you might not remember three years from now when you have to update your resume. You know that big trial you had last year where you knocked it out of the park? The, the new Excel template that the entire department now uses that you created for big mergers and acquisitions? Yeah, those kind of things. Update your resume with your performance review. All right, so you might be asking, well, Anne, how long is all this stuff going to take me? <laughs> well, I put a chart on that page for you, the Paralegal Habits, not the paralegalhabits.com, but paralegalhabits.com. I put a chart together kind of for a visual. And essentially, I would estimate, so habits one through three are the daily ones. I would say those will take you five minutes each a day. It's 15 minutes out of your day. The weekly ones, 20 to 30 minutes each. Okay, so that's a max of an hour a week. The monthly one, I would give yourself maybe 90 minutes. And the reason I say that is because, like, I think about a lot of our courses the personal injury boot camp, the e discovery paralegal boot camp, the trial prep boot camp. Those are all like five to six hour courses. And I think to myself, at a minimum, you should be doing those once a year, right? A five to six hour course that's specific to your practice area where you want to add skills, not just add CLE credits. I've had a whole other episode on that. You can look that up, right? It's it's really critical that you don't just pile on CLE certificates because they don't always add skills. I'm not saying some of them don't, but most of them don't. You know, if you're attending a one-hour CLE with a judge talking about some random topic on, say, the new estate planning stuff, and you're just taking it because you need a couple of CLE credits before the end of the year, and you work in litigation, that's adding nothing, absolutely nothing to your skill set. So where did I get this 90 minutes? Well, I think to myself, most five to six hour courses, you'd say, I want to try to get through that in a, in a few months, two to three months max. I know everybody's busy and you can't necessarily take it all at the same time. You know, I have plenty of paralegals who will take one of those courses over a weekend. Literally, it's three hours on Saturday, three hours on Sunday. Boom, you got new skill set. But maybe you get busy and you only spend about 90 minutes a month. Every three months, you'd have a new skill set. Every three months, you'd have a new skill set. All right. And then habit seven, you know, that one's a little bit longer. That's 60 minutes, I would say, 60 to 90 minutes. And remember, it includes what kind of goals am I setting? What did I do well this year? What do I need to improve on? And what do I want to do about updating my resume? What kind of things should I be putting in there? 
You know, you've invested a lot of time and money to get that paralegal certificate and to be where you are right now. Don't be complacent and let that investment go to waste. All right, let's recap the seven habits. Our daily habits are one, be proactive, two, take ownership of your work, three, manage your priorities, not your time. Number four, which is a weekly habit, do a tech bite. Five is a weekly habit, develop your SCPs, systems, checklists, procedures, or process. Our monthly habit, habit number six, is invest in your career. And our yearly habit, habit number seven, is to do a performance review on yourself. All right, that's it for this episode. I know it was a long one. But boy, I've got a lot of great interviews coming up in the next few episodes. Like I was saying, um, Sarah Riley Moore, former paralegal turned attorney, um, attorney for Amazon. And gosh, I've got the president of ACEDS. He's going to talk all about e-discovery and why you're going to hear me and him talking about why I'm always saying litigation paralegals have to have e-discovery experience. Um, Gosh, we've got a couple more monthly paralegal inspiration episodes coming up. So stick with me. And if you haven't checked out the new website, you should go do that. Paralegal-bootcamp.com. In fact, on the Paralegal blog is where you'll find the text for this entire podcast episode. But yeah, so that's why a few weeks ago we didn't put out an episode on Tuesday. And you'll notice I'm kind of experimenting right now. I'm going to put them out on Monday mornings for a little while and see if that's better. I I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Please email me, jump into the comments or whatever you want. I'm just really curious because I'm an avid podcast listener. I have my biohacking podcasts that I listen to. I have my entrepreneur podcast. I've got my course creator podcast and then just general funny ones and so many of them come out on Tuesday that when you open up, when I open up my Apple podcast on Tuesday morning, they're just like, boom, 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 boom. You know, they all come out on either Tuesday or Wednesday. And only a couple of them come out on Monday mornings. And I always listen to them because there's only a couple of them there. So I'm just experimenting. We'll see where it's going to go if we keep it on Mondays or we switch it back to Tuesdays or maybe do Wednesdays. Um, But I'd be curious to hear what you think. But go check out the new website and tell me what you think of it. There's still a few little glitches in there. I'll warn you about that, which, you know, I'm not too happy about at this moment, but we're working on it. And um, so anyways... It's been great. I know it's been a long episode, a little bit of rambling at the end. Don't usually do that, but I got seven actionable strategies for you this time. So all seven of those habits. Remember, those are habits, not skills or traits. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.